Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. It's not all. 
empty as a man of God Simply as a man of God Good morning, brethren, and happy Father's Day. It is in days like today that we are reminded of the great importance of godly fathers, fathers who are present in the family and leave a, a good mark in the family, a good example. Fathers that lead by example. And father they, fathers who lead in their relationship with God godly fathers. And of course, the importance of those who act like fathers. All the stepfathers, all the male uh, role figures that are involved in families and children, and they're doing their very best to be a model of what a father should be like. It is a blessing for our generation that we have fathers like that. But we need more. We need to realize the importance of that. And in order to be godly fathers, brethren, we need to seek holiness. Yeah, it is a word that is not perhaps popular today, but it is just as important as ever. And it is our prayer that as, father, uh, as fathers, we will look for that holiness, that we will pray for that holiness, that we would seek God and to seek to conduct a holy life, a life dedicated to God and to our role as men, as fathers, as people of God. God, today we ask you to hear our prayers. We ask for healing. In a day where we are so connected to the world, set us apart. In a time of great unrest and uncertainty, we ask for holiness. So search our hearts, renew our minds, and help us love like you love us. Make us holy. Use us to do your will on this earth. God, today we ask that you would restore us. Gather up the bits and pieces of our souls and mend them with your loving hand. Search out those parts that we try to hide from you. Today, God, we invite you in. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. We trust you. May we be set apart for you. May we be holy. In our Christian walk, just as it is in life, things are often exciting and certainly rewarding. But sooner or later, we will also encounter times of difficulties. 
we, we tend to refer to them as the storms of life. Storms that frighten us and that test our faith. And how we face these storms in life, how we face these periods of distress or, or challenge or trials, depends on our perspective about God. What we think about God, what we understand about God. Our passage today in Mark 4 relates vital lessons that Jesus taught his disciples and through the disciples, us as well. So let's look at it together in Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. On that day, when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with them as well. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Brethren, it, it is always amazing, at least for me, to see how much the early disciples were people like us. How they would respond and react, just as in the same way that we would showing the same limitations, the same questions, the same doubts that we have, and perhaps sometimes we don't even ask. But still, Jesus taught them nevertheless, and he taught them with patience. So let us see together what he taught them, the lessons that he shared with them. Let's review verse 35. On that day, when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Now that day was quite a, a busy day. There were large crowds around them, and Jesus had to get on the boat. They were spent the day teaching uh, the, the crowds in, in parables at the seaside. Jesus had to be on the boat, and the crowds had, had gathered on, on the shore, and he was teaching them from the boat. And when evening came, he just said to the disciples, well, let's go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, an important fact to notice here is that Jesus gave them <clears throat> a direction to follow. They were to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and of course, implied in that, they were to arrive to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. You see, similarly, Jesus gives us all direction in life individually as well as collectively as the church, the body of Christ. His direction is given to us through Scripture, and it does not come, come from personal preferences, but from what the Word of God, the written Word of God that leads us to Him, teaches us about Him and His will. Our job then is not to reinvent the way or to find our own way, but to follow Him who is the way. After all, aren't we Christians? And doesn't Christians mean followers of Jesus Christ, the disciples of Jesus Christ, 
So as Christians, we follow Jesus Christ. He gives us direction. We, as Christians, gladly follow him. But let's go on. Verse 36. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in a boat just as he was, <clears throat> and other boats were with him. Now, remember, he had been uh, teaching to the crowds that were gathered on the seashore. He was on the boat already as he was teaching them. So just as he was on the boat, they didn't go back to land. They just took him and started on their journey to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So we find here that the disciples followed Jesus' directions and with him on board started out to cross that sea. There were other boats with them all eager to follow him. And like them, we too at first have no problem following Jesus, do we? Being his disciples, individually speaking, well, we are excited. We, like when we embark on a new journey and a new adventure and we're looking forward to what the Lord has in store for us. We're definitely on board with being Christians. And again, being followers of, or disciples of Jesus Christ, right? But it's the same as a church. It's not at all different collectively as the body of Christ, as the church. We gather with all the best intentions to worship Him and faithfully follow Him. And we have hopes and expectations that we form. But then, then things maybe turn in a different way. Let's look at verse 37. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Ah, we have our plans, our expectations, we think we're going in a certain way, individually, collectively, and then the storms of life come up. A furious gale of winds, and waves hit their boats so much so that they started taking in water and filling the boat with water. It looked like really bad news. It looked like they were going to sink. Eventually, even in our Christian walk, the time will come when things no longer go as smoothly as we hope for. Things are no longer the way we would want them to be. We experience crisis. And that's when we start asking the hard questions. Questions such as, well, does God really love me? And if he does, if he really loves me, why does he allow me to go through all this? Why does he allow these trials? Why does he allow me to face this pain, this difficulty? Collectively, as the body of Christ, as the church, we're not immune from that either. The going gets harder than we expected. The programs that we established and worked so hard to, 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 to make come true are not as effective as we were imagining or expecting that they would go. The finances don't seem to match what was budgeted. Membership. The membership of the church is not growing as we expected. And at times, problems even within the church emerge. And the excitement that we felt at first begins waning and diminishing. But notice Jesus' response. Verse 38. Jesus himself was in the stern, 
asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Jesus was asleep on a cushion. First of all, that's not as how the disciples reacted. Their reaction was so typical, by the way, and I think we all know it very well. Ah, we're doomed. We're going down. We need to do something about it. We need to frantically try to work our way out of this trouble because we're going down. We're not going to make it. Another reaction is, Lord, don't you care? Assuming that he doesn't care because he's asleep and at peace. He's not worried. Implied in that question, however, is, Lord, don't you care? Meaning, why don't you just wake up, get up, and come and help us? There's water in the boat. We need to take the buckets and throw it out. We need to do something here. Why don't you help us? We are not all that different from the early disciples. We get scared and tend to see a gloomy picture when things don't go the way that we, we want them to go. Both individually and collectively as a church, we start thinking that we're not going to make it. Frantically try to resolve things our way. We may even end up calling some experts, or hiring experts, and while we are waiting for the experts to save us and make us successful the way we wanted to be, we wonder why God doesn't care enough to help us out. After all, we think, our success as individuals and as a church depends on those programs that we set up, doesn't it? So why would God not bless them and grant us the success that we crave? Compare that with what Jesus does. Notice that. He's perfectly okay. He's calm, in control, at peace. Everything is fine. Not just because that's a wishful thinking, but because everything indeed is truly fine. Because it is fine. You see, in all of this, it, it, it's kind of ironic that we don't question ourselves and our plans. We end up questioning God. Of course our, ourselves and our plans are just perfect, right? Of course not. But we don't question them. We end up questioning God. Why doesn't He really care? Maybe we should do like, like Elijah was mocking and, and, and teasing the prophets of Baal when their God wasn't answering and said, maybe you should scream louder, cut yourself more, wake him up. Maybe he's asleep and then he can listen to you. That's not our God. Elijah was taunting the, 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 the prophets of Baal. But less than 30 second prayer. A few seconds of prayer from Elijah called fire from heaven. We don't need to wake up God. God is well awake. And he does care. So why is it that we, instead of questioning ourselves, we end up questioning him? But notice what happened. Verse 39. He, Jesus, got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and he became perfectly calm. Ah, peace. 
You see, Jesus got up and calmed the storm. The Sea of Galilee became perfectly still. What a contrast in there from the frantic and useless attempts of the disciples. Here they are busy trying to resolve the matter and here he is fully in control, rebuking the wind and calming down the sea. Oh, they tried to control the circumstances, but they couldn't, could they? And yet, he, he did. So what is the lesson then? You see, there is no storm in the world, not even death itself, that can stand against the will of God. And that's the same God, by the way, who wants to share with all of us his a glorious future. In fact, he wants to share with us his own glory, his own life, himself. In reality, brethren, peace does not come from controlling all things around us. Peace does not come with everything goes our way. In reality, peace comes when we realize that we are unable to control things. But God is truly in charge. He is truly in charge of our personal lives. He is truly in charge of, of a life and a direction of the church. And we don't need to teach him anything. He knows what he's doing. And as we trust that, and we rely on him, and place our life in his hands, that's when we experience the true shalom. The true peace that God gives us. Verse 40. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? You see, Jesus pointed out that the problem was not with them, but with them. They were too afraid, and they had no faith, no trust. Jesus said, We are going to the other side. We are going to make it to the other side. We are going to arrive to the other side of the sea, and there is no storm in the world that can stop the will of God. But likewise, Jesus also reveals that the problem is not with them when we go through trials and difficulties in our storms of life. The problem, maybe, is with us. He is not leading us in the wrong direction. He is not neglecting us either. The Bible has not become irrelevant in our life. We don't need to panic if we're really following him, we don't need to even need to panic. We don't need to create our own internal culture to make sure that people stay with us, kind of locking them in in, the, in our own special lingo, in our own special culture. No, we don't need all that. What we really need is to trust him that he knows what he's doing and that he is still, still leading us all to eternal life to the true abundant life, far beyond anything that we can even possibly begin to imagine. No, we are not immune from problems. We're not immune. Things happen. And Jesus made it very clear, we will experience trials. None of us is exempt from that. And I remember learning a big lesson when my wife had cancer and had a bout with cancer and how shortly after she told me well she found out that she had cancer she came up with that statement from that famous song all is well with my soul how can we find that peace that truly enables us to say 
genuinely, honestly say, all is well with me, even though I'm going through this horrible trial. And that comes, brethren, from knowing that God has not abandoned us. That comes from knowing that who God really is. I cannot control that, but God can. I cannot control my life. I can make choices and decisions, yes, and that will influence the course of my life, but I can't control the circumstances. God can. Our lives ultimately are in His hands. And whether it is time for us to live or time for us to die, His glory is still awaiting us. He is still the loving God as He's always been. And He still has the same promises for us. That's where true peace really comes from. The ability to realize that it's not up to us to make things go in a certain way, but it's up to us to trust a loving God who has an absolutely amazing, glorious future in mind for all of us. Let's go to verse 41 in conclusion. They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, they saw Jesus calm the storm. And they became very much afraid. This time, of him and his authority, especially of his authority. And honestly, who wouldn't? Have you ever seen someone stand up and having full control of the weather and the sea? To calm down a storm? Perhaps that is a lesson for us as well. I remember one time standing on the rocks and the seaside. In front of me was the open ocean. And the thought just passed through my mind. How would it be to have the power to control the ocean? And immediately came to my senses, and I thank God for not having that power. And I thank God that He does, not us. And yet, even though we can't control the ocean, we still don't need to fear the storm. What we need is to be in awe of the one who truly has that control. The one who's in control of it all. We're not called to be control freaks and play God. We're called to know the true God and to rely on Him. We're called to trust and worship the one who truly is in control of, over all things. So perhaps the final lesson is very simple and yet so profound. Let God be in control of your lives. Let us... Let Jesus Christ be truly in control of the church. Because He is the Lord of our lives, isn't He? He is the head of the church and the captain of our salvation. And He is the rock of our salvation and our high tower in times of need. So we can rest in Him. We can trust Him. And we can be reassured that in all things... Everything, as Paul was inspired to write in Romans, all things will work out for the good of those who love God. And I think implied in that is that we trust God as well.
May God bless you beyond the wildest expectations. this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever amen grander earth has quaked before
frighten you. All things pass away. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. He who has God finds he lacks nothing. God alone suffices. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Gracious God, thank you for the gift of today. Allow me to discover your presence in each person that I meet and every event encountered. In moments of challenge and decision, attune my heart to your wisdom. As I undertake ordinary and unnoticed tasks, gift me with simple joy. When my day goes well, may I rejoice. When it grows difficult, surprise me with new possibilities. When life is overwhelming, help me to slow down so I can find moments to restore your peace and harmony. May my living today reveal your goodness. 